With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of all the urban legends across America, he had to be the one that was real. Of all the awful things that could exist, he had to be the worst. His name... His man face. That name is so stupid. That was the first thing I told my friend Josh when he began the story. He had lured me out to the woods at such a late hour with the promise of a simple campfire tale. One so spooky it would help break me out of my seemingly interminable writer's block. Josh said that he would only tell me this story once we hiked deep into the woods after dark. When I asked why, he said... Most people don't like to be out in these parts after dark. We'll be completely alone that way. Why do we need to be alone? I asked again. So no one else will be around to hear the story when I tell it to you. He replied. Josh was really adamant about us being alone in the woods. I know how that sounds, but I've been friends with Josh since kindergarten. If he was going to murder me out in the woods, he would have done it a long time ago. So, without fear or worry... I accepted his strange invitation. Depression and poor life choices had ensured that I really had nothing better to do on a Friday night. And, well, I missed my old buddy. I don't care if he wants to tell me a scary story in the forest after dark. I'm friends with Josh because he likes doing weird stuff like that. So, when he told me the story centered around the being called Manface, I thought he was having a laugh at my expense. He knew how much I loved a good urban legend and also how much I wanted to have one of my own to share with the world. I just couldn't think of something scary enough to catch on. Trust me, this one you're going to want to share. Whether it catches on with people or not, this is definitely going to be one you'll want to share. Josh was rarely this intense of a guy. I thought at the time he was playing up his fear to really sell the story before it began. A risky maneuver on his part. I already found the name of this entity kind of stupid. So... I was going into this story a bit jaded from the onset. How am I ever going to fear something called Manface? I asked Josh. I thought the same thing at first, he replied. So I'm going to tell you what our scoutmaster told us. Josh turned and looked me dead in the eyes. You can laugh at him all you want. Manface will still get you. I waited for him to give me a smile or a chuckle. Something to let me know everything was actually okay. But instead... He just took a seat on a tree stump and continued on with the story. So, ten-year-old Josh was out on a camping trip with his Boy Scout troop, when all of a sudden one night, his scoutmaster wanted to tell a scary story. This wasn't entirely unusual, as it is a Boy Scout tradition to tell spooky stories after dark, 
It wasn't the fact that he wanted to tell a scary story that was strange. It was how he was going about telling this scary story that really stuck with Josh. Scoutmaster Scott was soft-spoken and kind, so when he told everyone to shut the hell up and gather around for a story, I was scared. Not of the story, but of him. Josh said Scoutmaster Scott had been acting odd that entire weekend of the camping trip. He'd been constantly badmouthing the other Scoutmaster and was really trying to make things competitive between the two troops. We have to beat the others to the top of the mountain. We have to beat them. If we don't, that means Glenn Ford is a better Scoutmaster than me. If Glenn Ford is a better Scoutmaster than me, then I'm going to throw myself right off a cliff. Josh remembers some of the kids laughing at Scoutmaster Scott's joke. The thing is, Scoutmaster Scott wasn't joking. He screamed at the entire troop for over 15 minutes, asking them if they wanted to see him kill himself. Anytime a kid slowed down or asked if they could take a break, he asked them if they wanted to kill him to just get things over with since your little buggers hate me so much. Josh reiterated that they were all 10 years old, so nobody really knew how to deal with this behavior from a trusted adult. The boys all quietly decided amongst themselves to stop asking for breaks and just forge on ahead so they could be the first troop to get to the mountain top. That way, Scoutmaster Scott wouldn't die. Win-win, I guess. The thing is, the hike up the mountain was supposed to be done over the course of three days. Scoutmaster Scott made these kids do it over the course of two. They reached the top of the mountain long before any other troop would get there. We were exhausted, so when Scoutmaster Scott suggested we start a fire at the summit and roast hot dogs and marshmallows, we couldn't have been happier. Josh thought at the time that the whole on-edge drill instructor routine was just a bit of misguided tough love from Scoutmaster Scott that had thankfully now come to an end. Then, like I said, the shouting started up again and he screamed that we all had to gather around that fire or else. Josh's focus snapped away from me in that instant. He had been peering over his shoulder from time to time but this was the first instance where he kept his gaze fixed on something moving around in the brush. It's just an animal, Josh. Probably a deer, I said, trying to snap him out of his trance. Now, look. I paused to choose my words carefully. You can tell me about whatever happened with Scoutmaster Scott. I'm here to listen. I had a feeling that Josh was ashamed that he was even telling me this story in the first place. I was starting to worry that Josh's memory of this camping trip was hiding much darker secrets than some half-baked monster. He told us about Manface, Josh continued. His name, what he is, he told us everything. What is Manface? I asked. I was getting tired of beating around the bush on this one. He could be anything, Josh said answering my question with an infuriatingly vague, but retrospectively accurate description of this being. But, he added, it always bears the face of a man, thus the name. Josh looked at me in the eyes intently when he said that last part. If I weren't such a good friend, I might have laughed at how shooken up this had gotten him. Manface had yet to instill fear in me, to say the least. Josh's enigmatic description had only emboldened my skepticism. So, like, Manface could be a couch? Manface could be a wall? He could be an inanimate object? What are the rules here? And where the hell even is his face and the thing he is? 
like if it was a sign on the road, would his face appear in the sign itself, or would it be impaled into the pole? That would be pretty wicked looking, I won't lie. Also, where is woman face? Sam. Josh had said my name with such fury that I had suddenly found the fear of man face inside me. I need you to just listen from here on out. No more interrupting. Up to that point, I mostly thought Josh's behaviour was a performance he was putting on for the sake of the story. After that outburst, I wasn't sure. Scoutmaster Scott told the story with the same opening line. He insisted if we ever tell the story to someone else, we have to begin with a line. Josh repeated the same introduction from before. Of all the urban legends across America, he had to be the one that was real. Of all the awful things that could exist, he had to be the worst. His name is Manface, and he feeds off your fear. That last part was new, and Josh went on to explain how Manface truly works. He is always hungry and never settles for scraps. He will bleed you dry of every ounce of fear within your heart, and then, when that isn't enough for his unending appetite, he will devour your mind, body, and soul. So, he kills you? I had broken my silent promise to not interrupt. He does, Josh answered immediately and forwardly. But, he continued, Manface will not feed on your body if you keep the fear of him alive. Not just in you, but in others as well. It protects us, it keeps him fed. I see. You're supposed to want to be afraid of him. Exactly, Josh shouted. Eight tired kids in the woods after dark. We were full of fear, but not of Manface. We were more afraid of Scoutmaster Scott than we were afraid of that stupid name. When he made us go around the fire and say the scariest thing Manface would be for each of us, it turned into a game. It all started with Jeff, as most jokes often did in the troop. He had shouted, The scariest thing to see Manface has is a toilet. After that, they couldn't be stopped. The band of prepubescent boys would suggest almost anything for Manface to become. Almost anything, that is, but something that actually scared them. No, another boy yelled. It would be a pillow. That way, he can kiss you goodnight. Or a tree, because no matter where you pee, Manface will be watching. If Manface is on a butt, does that make him butt face? I'll admit, that one got a slight chuckle out of me, and I can only imagine how a bunch of ten-year-old boys took it. Scoutmaster Scott lost his mind, Josh said. He went berserk. He turned into a raving lunatic. According to Josh, he started yelling over and over again, Only fear can protect us. Stop your laughing, children. Stop your laughing, damn it. Maybe it was the physical and mental exhaustion. Maybe it was hearing Scoutmaster Scott repeatedly screaming. Maybe it was the group-wide nervous reaction to a trusted adult absolutely losing their marbles in front of them. But Josh said, when Scoutmaster Scott began his yelling, the laughter only got worse. Some of you had to be scared, I said in disbelief. Yeah, I was one of them, and yet I laughed all the same. Why? I asked. Because everyone else was, he answered. Josh had made it sound like a trance had befallen him and the others. No matter how crazy Scoutmaster Scott got, they only laughed harder. If you don't stop, I'll jump off this cliff. Scott had threatened his life again, and by the reaction of the boys, they seemed to think it was just that. A threat. 
he went up to the nearest cliff and stood at the ledge, ready to jump. And you all kept laughing, like it was the funniest thing in the world. So, he... I trailed off and let Josh finish my sentence for me. He didn't jump. Josh corrected my assumption. He just cried at the ledge while we laughed. It seemed like hours had passed by the time he came back to the campfire. How much time had actually passed? Do you remember? I asked him. Like I said, it felt like hours had gone by, but it actually had to be much more shorter than that. It had to be. The fire was still burning strong, despite no one tending to it. If that much time had passed, the fire wouldn't have been that hot. Maybe you're misremembering the fire being... Before I could finish, Josh silenced me. I'm not misremembering the fire. His voice was anxious, but certain. I didn't question Josh further. So, kids, Scoutmaster Scott spoke again after the laughter had finally died down. Tell me, he continued, did my story about Manface scare you? Josh remembered how forced that question had sounded. Like he was making himself say it, Josh said. But face scared me. Jeff was the one that answered the Scoutmaster's question. The laughing fit resumed for some. Some. But not Josh. He felt pity instead of amusement. He saw someone he looked up to in pain and had no idea how to help. So he asked him, What would be the scariest thing to see Manfaces for you, Scoutmaster? In Josh's mind, this was an innocuous question. He just wanted to make Scoutmaster Scott feel better. If he said what scared him so much out loud, then maybe the others would take Manface seriously. Oh, me? Scoutmaster Scott looked up from the fire. His gaze had been frozen on it since he returned from the ledge. I thought it was the abyss, the endless darkness, but a single face to greet me. That single face, my own reflection, my own doom. Manface, me, the void. We all become one. It seems Josh's question didn't help. Scoutmaster Scott repeated the phrase, We all become one. Before plunging himself, face first, into the campfire. It seems Josh's question really didn't help. You're kidding. I was incredulous. I'd grown more skeptical of the story after the whole transmit. At that moment, I thought I'd figured it out. Josh held firm nonetheless. He laid there, burning in the flames, while the rest of us all laughed, cried, and peed our pants in terror. You didn't try to help? The trance was at its strongest. It caused us to act strange. Some kids even threw more firewood in. You're kidding me. What did you do? I asked. Nothing. I just froze up and watched. Josh's gaze once again swiveled about our surroundings. He was looking out for something. Or someone. Did he die? My forwardness came from a lack of faith in the story's validity. He did. We watched his entire face burn off. We didn't even move from our seats afterwards. When Scoutmaster Scott drew his final breath, every one of us went quiet and still. Let me guess. Like you were all in a trance? Yeah, and I didn't wake from it until long after the other troop had showed up. When I snapped back to reality, there were cops all around me. They said Scoutmaster Scott hurt himself in front of us, 
but we were safe now. I told the cops that he didn't hurt himself. Manface did, and some of the other kids helped. Of course, they didn't believe me. Josh trailed off. I didn't believe myself. After all these years, I thought I was right too. There were lawsuits, court settlements, and NDAs. I didn't understand any of it at the time. I was only ten. My family took the money, and a good chunk of it went to my therapy. That was that. I didn't think about Manface again. Until I got a message on Reddit. The scariest part of the story so far? Let me show you. Josh pulled out his phone. I almost laughed. Did he really think something off Reddit was going to convince me of Manface's existence? So, the others. The other kids, I mean. They can corroborate this story. At the time, I was more concerned about proving Josh wrong. I don't really know why. No. They're all dead. Josh answered as he frantically scrolled through his phone. That's convenient. I remember muttering under my breath. Josh didn't notice. Finding that message was all that mattered to him at that moment. How did they all die? I asked, trying to get his attention. Jeff was found in the toilet with his head on the wrong way. Kevin died after sucking off a tree branch. Peter laid face down in a pillow and suffocated himself. They all died by the thing they said Manface would scare them the most as. Josh didn't bother to look up from his phone as he described their strange deaths. Before he continued, I interrupted. How does your head end up the wrong way? Josh's specific and strange wording intrigued me. Internal decapitation, that's how, he explained. For Kevin, it was impalement. Peter's death was ruled a suicide, but all the vomit and tears on his pillow would have suggested he didn't want to go. The others can also be explained this way. Ford was run over by a punch buggy. Tim was killed when a TV fell on him. I can go on. I can find you obituaries too. All seven of my former Boy Scout troop members and the Scoutmaster are all dead. If only this damn message would load. Josh showed me the app. He was hovering over a combo between him and old friend Frankie. The message wouldn't load, but a glitch that picture did. And oh boy, let me tell you. Looking at this picture was the first jolt of fear I'd ever felt since entering those woods. Before I could comment on it, Josh put his phone away. I have no connection here, I guess. It's okay. Josh looked around one last time. It's about time we go. Wait, that's it? I was a bit bewildered. The story is over. Well, actually, Josh trailed off. There are a couple last things I have to do if I'm going to do this right. He stood up from the tree stump and smiled. Tell me, Sam, did my story about Manface scare you? No, I honestly answered. I was, however, a bit creeped out by Josh's latest and most radical shift in demeanor. Really? Are you sure? He asked again, this time with a little more sugar on top. Yeah. I didn't want to lie to Josh. In fact, I had a whole lot more constructive criticism I was ready to give him when he spoke again. Here, how about you tell me what Manface could be to scare you the most? That way, you can go scare yourself. Josh let out a forced laugh, and my unease grew with each drawn-out gasp. It sounded like he was in pain. Josh, are you... 
Answer the damn question, Sam, he interrupted. Uh, answer the damn question. Everything, I answered. What? Josh still sounded angry. You know, everything, Josh. If Manface can be anything, then he can be everything. That would be the scariest thing he could become to me. There's no escaping that. Josh looked me in the eyes with a level of intensity that had once again made me reconsider his sanity. He then smiled and nodded. I believe you. I wonder what would have happened if he didn't. Are you scared now? He asked. I mean, you're acting really weird, dude. It's freaking me out a little. I can't lie. Well, I'm sorry for my behavior. It's just that I could die any second. Josh paused as he realized some other step he had forgotten to perform. And now you can too. If you feel your fear of Manface waver, then spread it to another. Ideally, someone you care about, like a friend or a family member. That way, even if they don't believe you, you can be afraid for them. It's so much easier to be afraid for someone you care about than just your lonely old self. Don't you agree, Sam? I don't know if it was how earnest Josh sounded, or his weird infomercial delivery, but something about the way he said that sucked any fear I had right out of me. What? I let out that one word before suddenly breaking into a fit of laughter. So, you're not afraid anymore, huh? Even when a friend tells you his life is in danger? The betrayal in Josh's voice sounded so real. And yet, I couldn't stop laughing. No, I choked out. No, I I don't know what's happening to me. I, I can't. The laughter overwhelmed me. It's okay. That happens to those who don't believe. Josh took his phone back out and turned on his flashlight. He pointed it out into the darkness while saying, You know what the scariest thing Manface would be for me? Even if I wanted to ask what it was, my body refused to let me do anything but laugh. When they asked me back then, my answer wasn't some childish joke. I didn't try to be funny. I told them the truth. I strained my eyes through tears to see what was at the end of Josh's beam of light. There, awaiting my gaze, was the eerie silhouette of something large and on four legs, standing only 13 feet away. At that moment, I was truly and utterly afraid. My laughing stopped and the sheer size of the figure in front of me triggered my fight or flight reflex. I stumbled backward and would have broken into a sprint, but Josh grabbed me by the collar of my shirt. Don't run, he said calmly. Is that a bear? I whispered back to Josh. Yes, and my answer to the question. What? What the scariest thing Manface would be for me? A bear is my answer. I was going to say a deer and try to be funny, I guess, but I saw how Scoutmaster Scott was feeling, so I thought I'd say something that we can actually bump into deep into the woods. I didn't think Manface was real either, but I wanted people to be afraid. Who isn't afraid of a bear? That's what I was thinking back then. Well, what are you thinking now, Eagle Scout? I asked, hoping he could use some of his outdoor expertise to get us out of this alive. I'm thinking... I should have said deer. Josh started to shine his light towards the bear's face, 
but I stopped him before he could center it. What the hell do you think you're doing? You're only going to take it off. I could hear the low rumble of a growl beginning to emanate from the darkness. I want to show you his face. If you see his face, then you'll believe me. Then you'll be afraid. The growling was growing louder. I am afraid, Josh. I really am. Can't you tell? Are you really afraid? He asked. Yes, I wanted to scream at Josh, but I really don't need to tell you why I didn't. Really? He asked again, sounding as incredulous as I did earlier. Are you mocking me? I could hear the slow and heavy thumping of the bear's massive feet as it skulked towards us. I'm merely returning the concern you showed me when I showed you my fear. Josh pulled his hands away from mine and pointed the light right at my face. Show me your fear, Sam. He repeated the phrase, getting louder and louder with each repetition. Show me your fear, Sam. Josh. The bear looked to be right behind him. Its shadow blotted out what little moonlight was breaking through the canopy. Its size was truly gargantuan. Show me your fear, Sam. Josh, shut the hell up. Not until you show me your fear, Sam. Alright, fine, Josh. Here it is. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of dying alone. I'm afraid of dying right now. I'm scared, Josh. I'm so damn scared all the time. I have nothing to live for. My dreams are dead, and I can't hold a job. I, I just wish we could pretend everything was okay like we usually do. I wish we weren't in these woods. Why are we in these woods, Josh? Why is this happening? Do you hate me? Please don't hate me, Josh. You're the only friend I have left. I was getting emotional and yelling, all while the bear was only a hop and a quick mauling away. But something in me came out at that moment. My emotions were compromised, and things I usually would leave unsaid started to pour out of me. Josh put his hand on my shoulder. Thank you, Sam. It was at that moment I realized the growling had stopped. In fact, the bear was gone. Where did... Before I could finish, Josh said, It doesn't matter, it worked. Now, let's go. I didn't argue with the man. I followed Josh back the way we came and got into his car. He had been my ride out here, and after what just went down, I wasn't sure how happy I was that he was my only ride back. I asked him while we were cruising down the freeway. Why me, Josh? Why did you tell the story to me if you believe it's true? He didn't hesitate to answer. You're my only friend too, Sam. I care about you. But I know that you're poisoned by skepticism. You could never believe in yourself, let alone anyone else. I think it's why you're so certain you can't achieve your dreams. I think you could, Sam. I believe in you. I know you don't believe in Manface, and I know you don't believe in yourself, Sam. But that's okay. I can do that for both of us. Josh turned to give me a smile and a wink. Right as he did, something leapt out in front of the car. It was too fast for me to see what it was, but Josh's terrified face seemed to indicate he knew what was coming. The airbags deployed, and when I came to, Josh's head was impaled on a deer crossing sign that we had somehow crashed into. I didn't scream, I didn't cry. All I did was laugh. I laughed as my only friend died right in front of me. I don't know how this man face works. I wasn't sure if he was real. 
But, after all I've seen now, I'd be a fool to still have doubt. Ever since that fateful night, I've been losing hours of my time to bouts of amnesia. The doctors say the memory gaps are because of the crash. But, I know better. It's too specific. He gets rid of certain memories, but not others. He manipulates your own behaviour. I had begun this very story without remembering how it had ended or why I was even beginning it in the first place. I wouldn't have started it if I'd known. I would have stayed in that snarky, sceptical bliss that I enjoyed so much. But I can never truly forget my only friend Josh. Manface won't let me. There's one thing about Manface I can tell you that Josh didn't know. When he comes to kill you, the face he bears is that of his last victim. I only know this because there are countless faces of my best friend reflecting behind me on my computer screen. I just had to answer everything, didn't I? I just had to tell the truth. Maybe I can swap for a deer like he did. No matter. I've done what I needed to do. If this story scares enough of you, I live. If it doesn't, I die. What Manface doesn't account for is a victim with no one left to fear for. Not even themselves.